Um, I'll just start with just a few words from the Metta Sutta, from the Buddha, Buddha's words on loving kindness. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, free from hatred and ill will, whether standing, walking, seated or lying down. One should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. So, uh, even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child. So this is the ideal mother. We might not, we may or may not have had the, you know, the ideal mother raising us. But this is like um, pointing to that quality of um, deep love and cherishing and uh, the mother, the ideal mother is uh, not taking issue with how the child is. And also if you think about, you know, some of you don't have to think about it, you're in it, but, you know, taking care of a baby that's, uh, you know, lots of cleaning up poop, Lots of sleepless nights, you know, lots of uh, loss of sleep and not being able to, you know, like very chaotic days and, and probably, hopefully, lots of love in there too. But just to, to reflect on, you know, the, the Buddha's pointing to this unconditional love. It's not saying, if you behave like this, then I'll love you. Or if you're the way I think you should be, then I'll love you. But it's just unconditional love and in some ways those words are a little big unconditional love and sometimes just even hearing those words we might think oh it's too much you know can't manage that so when I reflect on the quality of metta it's been a, a very central practice for me for many years from pretty much the beginning of my meditation actually when I reflect on the qualities of metta you know, they can they vary depending on how things are going. So there might be times when they are really radiant, boundless, bright, warm, all-encompassing, limitless, you know, just spreading out there. There are times like that when there's, you know, a, an extended practice, when the practice has really been developed, then that's accessible, that quality. And then there are times when it's like there's just a little maybe a tiny little flame in the heart, a tiny little candle flame that's being flickered in the wind and you kind of have to nurture it and take care of it and make sure it doesn't go out. There's times like that. And there are times when it might feel like, um, you know, that the heart is just like a stone or or an old football or something. You know, there's no capacity for the metta to be generated. So what I've found is that whatever, whatever, however it may be, whether it's you know abundant and boundless, or whether it's uh, whether there's just a sense of like you know, just about managing to stay with this, you know, 
one of the qualities of metta can be acceptance, acceptance of, of things as they are, that has that unconditional quality to it. So it can be ebullient and beautiful and bright, and it can be more subtle, just like, yeah, I can, I can, I can be with this. I'm okay with this. And then there's the sort of middle ground of uh, a little bit of a little bit of warmth, a little bit of radiance, a little bit of a glow in the heart that can just about you know can 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 stay here for for a period of time and take care of that for a period of time. And just that is also very, very precious and very important because as we, whatever, whenever we're stepping out of the habitual patterns that we've developed through our conditioning in this lifetime and possibly other lifetimes, whenever we step out of that, those patterns into a different form, different mode, we are directly transforming our karma, really. We don't, we're transforming the, uh, we're meeting in the present the, um, the results of our past actions, and we're meeting them in a different way. We're not just meeting, meeting them in the same old reactive or uh, reactive patterns or, or justifying why, you know, we, we have a right to keep our hearts small and defended so um, sometimes you know in a life we can go through a lot of difficulty a lot of pain a lot of struggle and that isn't an obstacle to cultivating metta if anything it's it's makes it even more important because if we just make ourselves small because life's been hard and you know, it's been it's been too too difficult. If the heart is a bit tender and a bit beaten up, and so we just stay small and hidden and don't allow uh, a possibility for change, then we're kind of stuck and we keep recreating the same situation over and over again. So we kind of create a prison for ourselves. And if we blame others, then we give them the power to change our situation, which is, again, you know, rarely does that happen sometimes, but often it's, uh, we just wait. So the Buddha is reminding us whether standing, walking, seated or lying down, in all postures, we can cultivate this quality of metta. We can maintain this quality of metta. And as we do that, the, the actual experience of our, you know, the actual heart itself is transformed, I don't mean the physical heart, but the, the chitta, the, the heart-mind, is transformed through that quality. And it takes our intention and sustained practice really to change the patterns of our heart mind but it is an essential aspect of the practice 
So if we just hold on to the old identifications, limitations, views, then we're just constantly recreating the same old scenarios, the same story, the same me. And it might be familiar, you know, and there can be a certain, certain comfort in familiarity, but it's a painful comfort, like the comfort of you know, wearing something too tight that you're used to wearing too tight. So, um, so this practice of the Brahma Viharas is it's very it's central to the the transformation of the heart. So I think um, you know people often I've, I've found anyway that often in Buddhist circles. There's a lot of emphasis on um, knowledge. There's a lot of interest in the in the the many lists and the and the brilliant teachings of the Buddha. And there can sometimes be a sort of oh yeah, and there's metta. Oh, yeah, you do that little metta practice for five minutes at the end of your practice. You know? And uh, even sometimes people practice metta as a as a thought or words in the head. You know, I've had people say to me, I've been saying these phrases for years and then and I'm just not getting any kinder. And then when I explore a little bit, I realize and then they're just they're just saying them up here in the head. They haven't brought them down into the heart. So it's in the heart that the transformation happens. The head can understand things, but the heart, we need to we need to work on transforming the heart, opening the heart. Um Clearing out the clutter in the heart. So sometimes, you know, we we lose our mental faculties. It can be with aging that we're no longer able to use our mind in the way that we once could. Or there may have been a, sometimes people have an accident, brain injury, and no longer able to use the mind, the thinking mind, in the same way. <clears throat> so all of the stores of knowledge and, and brilliance in the mind can be lost. But what we cultivate in the heart tends to stay with us right, right through to the end of our lives and onwards. So it's essential to do that practice, the practice of transformation of the heart. And, um, you know, the qualities of all of the Brahma Viharas, so we'll start to focus on metta today. The qualities of metta are boundless, limitless, immeasurable. So these are beautiful qualities. And it can be also that we pick those up in the wrong way. So when I was uh, not first practicing, but at a certain point in my practice, um, I met a, a very wonderful nun who, uh, it, when I was staying in a monastery where we were, uh, there had been a lot of difficulties for many years, actually. I was just there for one year. And, uh, and then this, this rather wonderful nun came and stayed with us. She was a Burmese nun, Aya um, Dipankara, Saila Dipankara. And she said, well, there are, there are many big devas in this property. So devas are like celestial beings. So there are many big devas here. 
and they're upset because people aren't generating much metta here and they're not sharing the merits of their practice. So they, they, they were like, well, they're all these Buddhists and they're not really doing their job, you know. So then I was feeling like, okay, I've got to work really hard, generate lots of metta for all these big devas out there. And then I found myself getting exhausted because, uh, you know, I couldn't keep up with it really. So, um, you know, we have to find the balance. And Anna Garika Bethany, who's sitting here with me at the moment, uh, gave a really beautiful and clear analogy earlier today around um, metta practice. There's a realization that she had herself of it's radiating metta. And if you have an old radiator, those old radiators that they used to make, you used to be able to sit on because they're so wide. They generate heat, you know, the heat goes into the radiator. It heats up the actual physical radiator itself. We can, can, probably still with a space heater, that's the same now. You can get those oil-filled space heaters like that look a bit like those old radiators. And as the space heater gets hot, it radiates heat. It's not convecting heat, it's not blowing heat, it's just radiating. So it's the same with our metta practice. You generate the quality of metta in the heart, and then it starts to radiate through our being, through our body. And then it's and then because it's been generated, it just naturally radiates out for the benefit of all beings. So not to mistake the radiating for you know convection heating, blowing hot air. It's not it's not like that. So it's uh, essential to take care of our heart-mind. It's an essential aspect of the practice. And it's an ongoing practice. You know, just like uh, if we never clean, if, you know, if, we, if we have a big clear out, we get rid of lots of stuff and we have a lovely clean house with just the things we like in it. And it's really nice. And then we carry on accumulating. I'm a bit of an accumulator. They carry on accumulating. Oh, there's that nice thing. And I was like, oh, that thing. Oh, so it's gave me that. And after a while, our house gets cluttered and dirty. We're not cleaning it out. So it's the same with our practice of the heart practices. We have to keep them going. We have to keep on creating that space in the heart, that transformational quality of metta in the heart, in our heart mind. Not just thinking about it or putting on the list of things to do later or or even just doing it for five minutes at the end of a, another med meditation, but really taking the time and the care to take care of your chitta, your heart, your heart mind. And whatever you find there, you know, it's it's don't don't be put off. Because the, it's the natural state of the heart mind is radiant and bright and clear, joyful, free. This is the natural state. This is what's waiting to be rediscovered. So uh, it may be that that's, you know, that our heart feels very small or leathery or shut down or dense. And so then you need to bring metta to that heart, not to try to make that heart pump out metta, but bathe your heart in metta. Bring metta to that heart so that it can gradually heal 
and transform and open and enjoy its uh, its birthright anyway. I'm not sure if birthright isn't quite the right word, but enjoy its uh, its natural state. <laughs>